It's the Dog Cast, episode number 160. Bulldogs, cocks. It's payback time at Williams Bryce. Hang on, Gamecocks, because we're coming. Dog fans, welcome to the Dogcast. It's episode number 160. It's the U- University of Georgia versus the South Carolina Gamecocks pregame show. And I'm sad to report that we do have Old Dog, but he is still not in the bunker with me. Old Dog, what happened, man? The last man, I heard. I am, you, I you, am fleeing. I, I am fleeing Bristol, Connecticut as we speak. Before I get into the details, I want to apologize to the Dogcast fans that we were unable to do a show last night, but I was being held and tortured at ESPN headquarters. Uh, tortured? It was, it was frightening. It was <laughs> frightening. Let me let me give you the chain of events that, that happened, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll take it from there. But as you know from the emergency show, went up to Bristol, had a very heated meeting, but I think it was it was fruitful. From what I understand, uh, they started showing some no-shot highlights, and actually one of the announcers said he was jumping on the boat, and they were going to give a little love to Georgia, which I'm not sure they do. I think it was only to appease me. Next thing I know, Chris Berman's walking down the hallway, shakes my hand, says, man, I'm a big fan of the show. Let's step on out and get a little no-shot Kool-Aid. I'm thinking, man, this is pretty cool. These guys have seen the light. I've done my job. Well, I don't know what happened. Next thing I know, I wake up. I'm in a totally dark room. I'm strapped down to a chair. And as soon as I wake up, this screen, it's about a 100-inch screen, comes on. And for the last 14 hours, they have made me watch Lou Holtz pep talks and Dr. Lou segments non-stop. Oh, my God. How did you not break? How did you not break under that pressure? The Darth Vader voice would come on saying, turn to the dark side. (laughs) Turn to the dark side and you will be free, my son. Thank heavens that you were able to put together that extraction team to get me out. Oh, man, I I had no idea. And and I want the Dogcast fans to know that has emptied the Dogcast coffers we need you to be hitting that PayPal button. Mercenaries are not cheap. Oh, my gosh. I had no idea. I thought they were doing something kind of eat like waterboarding. I mean, there's something kind of easy. No, this, this was worse than that. Oh. This was worse than death. Oh my this God. was worse than death itself. Man, well, I tell you, I'm glad that you're safe. I'm glad that the extraction team was able to pull you out of Bristol and that you're safe the other way. I'm non-broken. That's right. You have non-broken, and you'll be happy to hear, old dog, because you probably don't know this, but ESPN did relent and finally start showing the no-shine highlights on, you know, on the on the top ten plays of the day. So your trip well, was glad, productive. 
I'm glad the trip. I'm glad the trip bears some fruit. Oh my gosh, man! I had no idea they were making you watch Lou Holtz pep talk. God, oh, I mean, and Doctor is... Lou segment <laughs> over and over again. Oh my gosh! I'm telling you what, man. We might need some congressional hearings on that because that makes Gitmo look like a May Day parade. Oh, All right. Well, I, I mean you... that, that. That's how I think they really do break these terrorists. <laughs> and I'm not sure, but I think Bin Laden may have been in the next room. <laughs> okay. So we've had, oh, well, you know what? Despite all that, the show must go on. The Dog Nation needs to know what it's going to take to hey, beat I'm, the game I'm, I'm out. I'm out and free. Okay, good, good. Well, let's get it on. And uh, I want to open the show with um, a quote from Steve Spurrier. A quote from Steve Spurrier after the 16-12 to victory over the Bulldogs last year. Because, you know, he's so great with a quip. One of the things I love about the old ball coach is that after he beats you, he always has something really cute and smart to say about how easy it was or how it's not a big deal. You know, back in the day when he used to coach Florida, they, he would beat us by 30 points and then say something like, we shouldn't have practiced as hard as we did this week because that game really wasn't that tough or something smart like that. So, you know, after the game last year, after they beat us last year, Spurrier comes out of the press and says, quote, it's not like they're some big, powerful team. After all, they lost to Vanderbilt. That's what Coach Spurrier said about us last year after the 16-12 to victory over us between the hedges that ultimately cost us a national championship. Old Dog, do you think that kind of bulletin board material is going to get the dogs motivated for their SEC open? Oh. Oh man, you know it is, and and the thing along with that is that is the kind of stuff that just makes the OBC probably one of the most hated people within the Southeastern Conference. I mean, the only groups of people I know are Florida fans that cling to the Spurrier legend, and South Carolina fans, although they are dwindling because again they are living off of the Spurrier legacy in Florida because he has certainly done nothing in South Carolina. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I have talked to friends that are South Carolina fans, and their question is, you know, why do you have this this hatred, you know, for the Gamecocks? And I said, it's not really that Georgia fans are against South Carolina. You know, back in the Brad Scott days, the Joe Morrison days, stuff like that, it was a good, it was a decent rivalry. You know, I mean, it's a border war. It's certainly nothing like we have with Florida, Tennessee, or Auburn. But, you know, the schools are fairly close, and a lot of times you know kids that are going to the other school, things like that. But it wasn't really until they brought in the evil one that it took on the the absolute hatred that we do. And it's more we want to beat Spurrier and beat him down than we do the Gamecocks. Actually, I feel sorry for a lot of the Gamecock players this week because hopefully, and I know this is not the way Coach Rick likes to do, but if we've got a chance to hang 60 on the board, we need to do it. Absolutely. I totally agree. And, you know, I was going to make a point about that earlier. Spurrier corrupts. Everything that he does, everything he touches. I used to not hate Florida as much as I do now, but the point is, when Spurrier gets involved, hatred comes to the forefront, you know? And I tell you, I think that Spurrier's legacy at the Gamecocks is going to ultimately be, you know, one of 
a, a disaster, I think, for the entire program because the level of hatred for the Gamecocks is going to go up because they've had Spurrier there, and Spurrier's going to leave and go about his merry way and basically just leave destruction in his path, which is kind of his, his calling card, you know? So It really is. And, you know, I mean, and you look you look at the history of the OBC, and his, it's obvious that his best coaching days are behind him. Uh, and yeah. probably the yes, best coaching job he did was at Duke. Yes. Because he was, and I mean, you got to give the devil his due. Back in the early 90s, he was an innovator. Uh, he then, you know, went from Duke to Florida, where he was still doing some new stuff. Yeah. You know, calling the OBPs, because he's the OBC. But again, in most cases, he had superior talent. And he is a good coach with superior talent. Then he went on to the pro ranks to the Redskins, fell flat on his face. I don't think he did real good when he was the Tampa Bay Bandits coach or whatever the heck they were called. Right. And then he's gone to South Carolina, and they have been mediocre at best and certainly have shown no improvement from the Lou Holtz era to the OBC era. Absolutely. And, you know, this this all shucks kind of stuff that he does, you know, well, I'm just the OBC calling the OBPs. <laughs> well, man, the OBPs ain't working. You know, if it worked in the 90s, it's not working in 2008. You know, well, if if they're going to do anything, they need to get some MVPs, some new ball plays. And well, maybe the YBC Let's talk about that. that. Or they may get in the uh, their little midget son, you know, the the TBH, the tiny ball handler. <laughs> I think the tiny ball handler might have some new ideas for offense. Because here's what, the, here's what the old ball coach has come up with us for this week. He's got a quarterback, uh, Tommy Beecher, that all summer we heard was the man, right? He's the man. He has separated himself from the pack. And in the first game, he throws, I don't know, I think three or four picks in the first half. Four, four interceptions in the first half. Yeah, so suddenly he becomes not the man. He becomes the guy who sucks. So then they pull out Chris Smelly, who saves the day against the North Carolina State Wolfpack, simply, basically, just by wearing them down. And then, of course, Smelly starts for the Vanderbilt game, and he sucks in the Vanderbilt game. So now the old Let me interject something here if I can, too. Okay. And in typical South Carolina fan fashion, after that North Carolina State game, Mm -hmm. Smelly's the man. Mm -hmm. You know, we were just – the OVC – he was just luring everybody in, saying how good Beecher was and starting him in that first game. Right. But Smelly's always been the man, and everything is on par, and we're going up there and kicking Vanderbilt out because we got the quarterback that can do it. That's right. And then, But now, all of a sudden, well, Smelly's not the guy either. You know, su- surprisingly, Smelly's not the guy either. So now the old ball coach says he's going to run a two-quarterback system. He's going to bring out two substandard quarterbacks, and somehow, you know, Two bad quarterbacks is going to equal one really great quarterback, I guess. I, I don't know what the math is there, but uh, they're going to be running their I'm two. I'm not sure, but I'm not sure, but I know you know I know my mother used to tell me, and I'm sure yours did too, that two wrongs don't make a right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's exactly right. I think that's where we are right here. But you know, they've also got other problems over there. Um, you've got McKinley, who's 
without a doubt their best receiver has you know caught a pass in like something like 30 consecutive games he's without a doubt their best receiver he did not play for most of or all of in fact i think the vanderbilt game and uh, he's very doubtful for this game as well so they lose their primary receiver target and uh, that leaves them basically with only this big tall tight end they got jared cook who did have eight yeah. catches last week. He's a, not a bad receiver, but he's also a very inconsistent performer. This kid, Jerry Cook, he could have an eight-catch game or he could have a no-catch game. I mean, you really can't tell what the – he's a very inconsistent performer, and that's really what's been the knock on him for his whole career at the Gamecocks because they never know if he's going to catch the ball or not. So, right. um, you know, other than that, you got a, a terrible offensive line and not a great running back in Mike Davis. They – um. Really, when you talk about the Gamecocks, it's all about the defense and the black Superman, Jasper Brinkley. Old dog, I know one, can... one tackle Jasper, as we like to call it. <laughs> yeah, he has one tackle in two games. He's the black Superman, the great black hope for the Gamecocks. Their only NFL prospect this year. And, uh, you know, they're really putting a lot of pressure on him. And he's really responded by not stepping up. So. Hey. Exactly. What do you want to you talk know, about, I mean, Old Dog, when it comes to keys to victory? Well, I mean, I, I think we they the South Carolina fans trying to hang on. You know, we beat you last year. We beat you last year. Where they're coming in with a defense that's not nearly as good and an offense that has been sputtering. Uh, you and know, missing Corey Boyd. Victory, no. They're missing him. Because this year he ain't back like Cook Crack. He's not back like uh, Cook Crack. <laughs> But the keys to victory for us are going to be, you know, what they are just about every week. We've got to play, not mistake-free, but we don't need to turn the ball over. Right. We need to we need to win the possession time. We need to run the ball down their throats. If they're going to stack the box with seven or eight people to try to stop no shot, then we need to cut Stafford loose, let him start hitting our receivers who, thank God, this year are finally catching the ball. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, we are, we're a complete team. They are not. Uh, the key to victory is just play good, old-fashioned Georgia football, go about our business. Uh, probably the biggest thing that has plagued us the first two games is stupid penalties, and we need to eliminate those. Yeah, we you don't know, last need week we had nine penalties. off sides. We don't need motion penalties. And the other thing that I would love to see uh, is some end zone kickoffs and good punt coverage. Mm -hmm. Because I really think about the only way South Carolina can hang with us, if that's even a possibility, is going to be through special teams play. I agree. Because that, that is probably the weak link in the Georgia armor this year. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that because actually on the, when it comes to keys to victory, you've already hit on my first one, which is minimize our penalties. Um, you know, I'll tell you, old dog, it's been like 17 years since you, South Carolina's been in the SEC. And in those 17 years, we have uh, gone to Columbia about eight times. In those eight games, we're 6-2 and two in Columbia. Our average margin of victory in those six games is 11 points. But here's the ticket. 
penalties. Last week, we had nine penalties for 70 yards. We just got to get that under control. Not so much to beat Carolina, but to be the number two, number one team in the country, to play the kind of schedule we've got coming up, this, as far as I'm concerned, is still the kind of game where we need to be fine-tuning ourselves, and we've got to eliminate those penalties. But the second key to victory, old dog, in the two losses that we've had at Williams-Brice in the past 17 years... We have, in those two losses, a total of 10 turnovers. 10 turnovers. We all remember the great Quincy Carter game down there, okay? I'm not going to get started on Quincy Carter, but that was the day I almost threw myself from the upper deck of Williams-Brice because I wanted to yeah. die. But, in, in fact, the last time we were at Williams-Brice, you know, was when Joe Three Sticks went down and Matthew Stafford got in the game basically for the first time as a freshman. And as a exactly. freshman in his first college football game, even then, a game we won 18 to nothing, we still had three picks in that game. So, you know, I'm telling you, the key to victory, the number one in key to victory, in my opinion, is going to be turnovers. The way we let Carolina in this game, the way they always get into games with us, is through turnovers. Now, we've been great on turnovers this year, old dog. I think what well, we've got the one turnover that we lost, I believe, with um, Joe Cox last week. Is that right? We've only lost yeah. one football, one fumble. Right, and that's when the game was out of hand already, too. Yeah. Right, with second-string starter and quarterback, you know. But um, I'm telling you, if we can protect the ball and limit our penalties, we're going to be okay this week. Unless, of course, as you know, old dog, South Carolina shows up. Because That's right. it turns if the South out Carolina shows up, we're done. All they've they're, got to do, baby, the, all they've got to do is show up. Isn't that right? That's right. And <laughs> I'm gonna throw in one other thing too. And again, this will be a much better test for us in the first two games. And this is what plagued us last year. We need to score touchdowns when we get in the red zone. Sure, absolutely. And I mean, and not just not just in this game, of course, but but in all. So right. this will be uh this will probably still be the stiffest defense that we have gone up against and I wanna see I wanna see sevens on the board, not threes. Right. But like you say, if 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 the Gamecocks show up in the in the WB, then we're probably done for. Yeah, we probably are. I mean really, that's really all they've got to do is just show up and um I mean, that's going to be the end for us. But we also need to protect the ball. I got to tell you, we got to protect the ball. That's my number one key to victory. We got a lot of players coming back this week, old dog. Cade Weston, ready to go, yep. 100%. He's going to really shore up the interior of our defensive line, maybe put some more pressure on these fantastic quarterbacks the Gamecocks have. Um, who else is coming back this week? Well, we got we got Dewberry coming back on the strong side linebacker, which will be – a real good thing for us, especially with probably their tight end uh, going to be the main target for whichever quarterback is in. Mm -hmm. That'll help us a lot that quarterback rotation, and also give us a little more more size in there. And you know, talking about size at linebacker, I sure do miss Marcus Washington. I'd love to see him in the middle there a little bit, but uh, probably going to be next year. Get better soon, Marcus. I tell you what, man, we sure are missing yeah, you. Absolutely. We sure you're, you're, you're not there, but you're not forgotten. But, you know, next year we got Jeff Owens and Marcus Washington coming back. That's going to really help us transition to these younger guys, too, you know? It's oh, going to ease it. But, you know, we also got, got Munson Munson Meyer coming back. Don't know if he's going to be playing any fullback or not. I got a feeling that we'll probably see him, but he is going to be doing uh, – 
quite a bit of special teams, and hopefully he'll uh, be coming down on a lot of kickoff coverages after we've scored touchdowns. I hope so. I hope so. That would be fantastic. And speaking and, about – And let's just and let me throw one more thing in on these kickoff coverages. Let's just hope it's a lot of wind sprints because that ball's going to be sailing into the end zone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now you said Dewberry. Was it strong side linebacker? Didn't you mean Sam linebacker? No, I did not. I meant the strong side. <laughs> oh, man, I'm just messing, buddy. Um, I know it. Okay, listen, here's my here's my thing. Let's talk about this kicker situation because we did get some traction on our we, – we got some traction from listeners and from the coaching staff this week. I want to update the Dog Nation on this kicker issue because I've kind of made this my pet issue. This is my number one issue right now. Old Dog, it turns out that – as I suspected, as we suspected last week, I think the problem is not so much that Coach Fab, Coach Fab is calling these short directional kicks because they don't have any faith right now in Blair Walsh's ability to kick consistently to the end zone. And as you know, if he hooks it, you know the word is he's just as likely to kick it through the uprights as he is to kick it into the marching band. So, and you yeah. know, if it goes out of bounds, it comes out to the 40, which really defeats the purpose of trying to kick it to the end zone. So, it's a high-risk, high-reward thing on that end zone kick. So, that's why we really haven't been calling for it, because Blair, when he really gasses it and tries to kick it to the end zone, his consistency really falls off. But, word is, we got a kid that might can do it. Um, another kid, a walk-on player. Um, I do not have his name handy, though. Do you know that kid's name, old dog? I, no, I don't. I, I do not. I wish I did. But We have another kid who's a walk-on. I had it, and I lost it. I don't have it in front of me. But evidently, we have this other kid that they're going to try to bring in this week as a specialist on kickoffs, and he maybe is not so good at the field goal kicking thing and the extra points, but this kid has got the leg. I think he might be the kind of player you've been looking for, old dog, some kid that came over from the soccer fields and just walked on and said, let me kick the ball, you know? Man, that's that's all we need. That is all we need, man, because I'm telling you, bringing the ball out to the 20 every time is so much better than crossing your fingers and hoping you can stop the running back before he crosses the 35. Absolutely. So, so I tell you, I'm really excited about the possibility of a new kicker this week just doing kickoffs. I have no problem with Blair Walsh. I think he's doing a great job. His directional kickoffs have been okay as as far as as good as they can be, but I sure would like to have a two a one two punch with Walsh kicking points and somebody else kicking this deep ball off the kickoff. Man, wouldn't that be sweet? Oh man, it would be so awesome. Now, I got one other thing I want to talk about, old dog. Before we get before we continue talking about whatever you want to talk about with the defense, so let's talk about this pool. You know the dog cast pool. We've got a dog cast pick them on the website. Do we really need to talk about it? Yeah, yeah, I, we really do. We really do okay. because this past week um, a new name emerged at the top of the leaderboard, and uh, his name was me. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I won the pool. Nobody gets any prizes this week because I won the pool. And Old Dog wound up in 41st position. 41st, Old Dog. You're a middle-of-the-pack performer. I I feel like I play for Ohio State. I'm telling you, man. I I was pretty disappointed in your performance, Old Dog. I I, got to tell you. I was. 
And really, I, I may go into the hundreds next week, but uh, right now, while I'm number one, I'm going to tell everybody that I'm the greatest sports football picker of all time. And, uh, you know, what can I say? I'm awesome. I mean, really. I mean, I think you, I think you should. Yeah, and congratulations to John Schwal, who's also battling me up there. He's still the overall leader. I get that, but hey. I was the week two winner, no doubt about it. A definitive one-point win. But uh, anyway, <laughs> Old Dog, but, what else you want to talk about with the Gamecocks? What else, you what know, else we I got? Think we, well, I really think, you know, any more talk would probably be beating a dead chicken to death. Yeah, you want to give some love to Lum Purvis and Billy Thane as ass-kicking chicken? Absolutely. We'll, we'll be over there in their tailgate section come uh, Come Saturday, I tell you what, it's going to be a hot one in Columbia. It is going to be a hot one, and I tell you, three thirty and and no breeze, and let's just hope we don't hear that cock crowing very often. Oh, three thirty at Williams Bryce. It's going to be hot, man, and they're going to have that stupid rooster and the two thousand one and all the crap they do. Their stupid cocky game cock. I mean, I'm just I'm just sick to death of the game cocks. Well, I'm we sick just to death we just need to. I'm sick to death of this 16 to 12 story they've been telling for 363 days. I'm sick to death of that crap too. So well, I'm ready to that'll, get on. That'll all end. That'll all end Saturday. Absolutely. Long about seven o'clock, uh, we'll be back on top. Unless, of course, USC shows up, because pretty much exactly. all they've got to do to win this game is show up. So, dog fans, you got it. Uh, that's going to pretty much wrap it up for our pregame show. We got the Gamecocks on CBS at 3.30. Uh, ESPN will not be able to blank out the highlights nationwide. Everybody gets it. Let's go, dogs, and let's take care of the Cox on Saturday at 3.30. Old Dog, any final thoughts you want to leave us with before we wrap up this USC pregame show? That's it. I just thank heavens that I'm, I'm out. Uh, the folks there at ESPN or as we thought, they are actually probably more evil than we ever suspected. But you you return to the bunker probably later today, I guess, unbroken. I, I should be in sometime tonight, and uh, we'll go ahead and uh, load up with a bunch of fried chicken, uh, plenty of cold beer, and, and head up to Columbia first thing Saturday morning. Unbroken and unbowed. In fact, I'm going to go over to the uh, Gold Kiss Chicken Factory over there off of uh, Chase Avenue, over there by, off of Prince and get me a couple of live little white chickens in those cages, and I'm going to litter 78 all the way to 20. I'm just going to litter the yellow line right down the middle of the road with dead chickens. I'm going to leave a, a, I'm leave a trail of dead chicken carcasses all the way to Columbia. Just let them know we're coming, baby. They'll know we're coming by the trail of dead chicken carcasses. Dog That's fans, the way to do it. It's SEC football, baby. Let's get it on. Go dogs. Finest. The time has come. That's right. Get them, dogs. Hey, guys. This is Andrew down in Orlando and damn Gator country. Uh, I just wanted to make a comment on the ESPN not showing no Sean Marino because I know that if Tim Tebow would have made that hurdle, they would have interrupted the damn Republican convention to show it. They would have interrupted CBS Tennis, everything on TV to show Tim Tebow hurdling some guy. Just expressing my hate for all the Tim Tebow hype. Go dogs. Yeah, this is Bert in Vancouver, Washington. Not to be confused with Vansterdam up there in British Columbia. Anyways, I got a little advice for uh, the dogs on game day. 
And uh, I have to really thank Steve Spurrier for this idea. But anyways, why not send our third, fourth, last team, whatever they are, over to the sideline at the end of the game and just beat the crap out of Steve Spurrier? I mean, and then we could all point and laugh, and well, that'd just be awesome. Then we could uh, pray to T-Blow for forgiveness later and everything be just fine. Tell me what you think. Go dogs. Derek, old dogs. This is Dogcast Technical Support, Washington, D.C. Yes, I have, I have not been around, mainly because I unfortunately had some knee surgery. I've been having problems. It hasn't been easy. I've been listening and and watching the dogs with amusement. Well, what we like to watch because, you know, being exiled away in the D.C. area, we haven't gotten the first two games, but that's okay. This weekend, South Carolina against the OBC. I want to kick some OBC butt. I want some fried chicken for dinner on Saturday night. Kick some OBC butt with some new ball plays and whoever the hell they have there. It seems to be the black hole for coaches and players and everything. Looking forward to the next show. Just wanted to let you guys know I was still around and I am still rooting for a national championship. And if ESPN doesn't like it, well, let's just say they're in Bristol, Connecticut. They are not far from the Hudson River. I hope they go in and deep. Go dogs. Hey, Derek and old dog. This is uh, Tracy in Atlanta. First of all, I want to say um, that in no way am I taking up for ESPN with my comments, and this probably is going to sound like a bipolar phone call, but anyway, I'm going to rant. Talk to a couple of people outside of Georgia, and, you know, you bring up the ESPN thing, and they're like, you know, who have you played the first couple of weeks? Georgia Southern, who's that? Central Michigan, who's that? Now, we may have built up Central Michigan in our own heads, so he could win that game. Yeah, you know, he's got the stats, but again, who's he played in the MAC? Only ESPN fan. An argument could be made that, yes, they have not covered us. We really have gotten no highlights. No Sean's got the shaft. But just out of curiosity, what are they going to do when we play South Carolina, Bama, Tennessee, LSU, Arizona State, Florida, Auburn? You know, that's kind of and all, and let me see you ignore that. Let me see you ignore those highlights. So, you know, maybe they just know they got to, you know, bend over for us the rest of the season because we're going to kick ass in every single one of those games, and they need to just get everybody else's coverage taken care of right now. So, anyway, we'll see. But uh, ESPN can still kiss my ass. Good dogs. See you guys. Hey, Derek O'Dog. This is Ryan and Wander. I was just going to call and say that uh, another great show that y'all had on the Central uh, Wrap-Up. Uh, I'm excited again this season. I was kind of lacking excitement. Don't know why. Just, you know, guess it just finally hit me that we're, you know, how good we are again. You know, my expectations were high. Um, like I said, that we weren't going to be like the team we were at the end of the season. We, we still haven't gelled at that point yet in the season. I think we're, you know, our offense is clicking very well. Matthew Stafford looking sharp with his passing. Um, no Sean Moreno. Just, I mean, he's a horse. He's a man at hurdle with something else. Uh, Man, uh, and, you know, my heart went through my throat when I saw him do that. And uh, it just, you know, that's what I look for. I mean, he brings that excitement level to the dogs that we need, and uh, it makes everybody around us better, like y'all said. But um, 
I was listening to the radio today and heard uh, where Steve Spurrier was taking back his comment about what he said about just another Georgia team that he beat last year. And, um, well, we ended up having a 10-2 season. I think they ended up losing the last six games of their season, last five or six games of their season. I'm not really sure about that. But, um, you know, hopefully we can uh, go to Columbia and take care of business. I hope, you know, we uh, get good push on the quarterback and uh, really excited. Our, you know, few few defenders, my favorite linebacker, Rennie Curran, you know, Hope he can step up and be the leader that I want him to be for our defense. But anyway, guys, I just want to say, you know, call and say uh, go dogs and um, let's go beat them game cops because Spurrier is a cop. Anyway, go dogs. Hey, Derek and old Doug. It's Eric from South Carolina. I was just seeing how things were going up there. Unfortunately, we have to go up to Columbia this weekend. Hopefully that won't be bad with Spurrier in town. But I'll be there. Check out. Uh, on the game. Are you guys going at all? Well, I'll still listen. Definitely. I love y'all's show. Keep it up. You, you, you guys are the best. I'll talk to you guys later. Good dogs. 